0: Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wonderful kids, stand with me this morning. Today is Father's Day and we are celebrating fathers and we're remembering fathers and there are always a group here that are celebrating Father's Day without their dad for the very first time. I know sometimes that's very very difficult but today we're gonna look at the original father. How many of you know that we have an original father and that he is the perfect father and he's the loving father so I want to go back and talk about that this morning. Would that be okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and your compassion. Thank you for loving all of us. And we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. You know, things change over the years and things kind of morph. Can anyone remember when pot was something you cooked in? Can you remember when gay was a term that you were happy and Matt even told me the Flintstones had a gay old time. Uh, The web was something a spider wove, and spam was something you got out of a can, and the cloud was something fluffy up in the sky, and to swipe was something that thieves did back in the day. A tweet was actually the sound that a bird made. The backlog was a big log in the back of the fireplace, and a snowflake was something that fell from the sky in winter. And uh, a cell was a room in the jail and to chill was what you did to Jell-O. Does anybody remember eating Jell-O? You put some whipped cream on it, it's a lot, lot better. So, you know, things change over the years, words change, but really the fundamentals of fatherhood should never change. They're they're basic, they're foundational. And we live in a culture today that's trying to feminize man, trying to emasculate man, and uh, that doesn't work very well. Uh, the foundation of any country, or church, or organization, especially the family, is a man. Now, I realize there are single moms out there that are doing double duty, trying to raise a family by themselves, and they don't have much uh, help. And uh, certainly, we are very uh, supportive of them. And it can be very difficult, you know, both for the the father and the child raising kids. You know, uh, Rodney J- Dangerfield said, "My parents always moved a lot when I was a kid, but I could always find them later." <laughs> Ray Romano of Everybody Loves Raymond said, Having children is like living in a frat house. Nobody sleeps, everything's broken, and there's a lot of throwing up. And then uh, John Wilmot said, Before I got married, I had six theories about raising kids. Now I have six kids and no theories at all. So we talk about fatherhood, it might do us well to go back to the beginning and and look at what it was originally planned to be because when culture tries to redefine something or reframe something, it never works better than the original. Now the term for fatherhood is really ancient, Ab, A-B, and then actually in Hebrew it's uh, pronounced with a V, Av, and then we have this term Abba and Abba Father and when you and I came into existence our parents gave us 23 pairs of chromosomes and uh, both parents contributed that but the mother has two X's and the father has an X and a Y and whichever one he passes on determines the sex of the child. So when God created the first man Adam he did it from the dust of the earth so he fashioned man from the dust of the earth and formed him but he did something that was unique to Adam that he did not do to any other part of creation he made him in his own image and he breathed into him the breath of life and Adam became a living soul and no other part of creation was like that at all so I want to give you some observations about fatherhood today if you have a pencil and paper take them out because I think it's that important so fathers we are in the image of God And we have his breath, we have his DNA, we have his fingerprint, and he's the original father. And that's what we look back today to see how that relates to us in this current time. Here's the first observation. Man was created first. Say that with me. Man was created first. Now, ladies, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Don't throw anything at me. Man was created first. When God created Adam... He came from the earth, God breathed into him, and the woman comes out of the man, and the children come from the woman, but God only created one man. Do you realize God only created one man? There are 7.6 billion people on this planet, but God only created one. So where did all these people come from? 7.6 billion people, they all came from one person. Not only the people who are alive today, but throughout the generations, throughout history, all mankind came from one person, Adam, and Adam became the first creation of God as far as humanity. The woman comes out of Adam, the children come out of the woman from the one man that God created. Now, out of 7.6 billion people, how many of you realize that no... Two people are the same. Nobody has your eye print. Nobody has your fingerprint. You were born an original. Don't die a copy, right? So you are original. God made you a one and only original. Somebody say, praise the Lord. So the man, according to Scripture, in the pattern of Scripture, becomes the foundational pivoting point of the family so when Paul talks about this in Corinthians he said the head of Christ is God the head of the woman is the man and if we take this on and then we have the children underneath this but I want you to notice the order of creation Man first, out of man the woman, then the children. So the man becomes the foundation of the family, if you will, built on the original foundation or the only foundation that anybody can lay, and that's Christ Jesus. So what is our ills today? Why are we having so much trouble in society? And I think it's because fatherhood has changed and men have changed and we're not in our right position and doing the right function. So we have a world of ills because of that and we need to get back to the original order and the foundation that God laid for our example. Now when you look at this definition of Av or Abba and it is founder, originator, progenitor, producer, source, protector. So Jesus uses this term first as Aramaic when he's praying in the Garden of Eden. I want to read it to you. This is found in Mark 14 verse 36. He's praying and he says, Abba, Father. Say that with me. Abba, Father. He just didn't say Father. He said Abba, Father. So he uses this Aramaic term, this relating to a term of endearment. Not just position only, but we have a relationship. We have a loving relationship. This is a tender relationship. These are tender terms. These are loving terms. This is a loving comment here. Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. You are my what? Abba, Father. So here's this term of endearment. So we have to get back to this original Design of fatherhood, and it is that God created man first. And if we had men that are taking their place, how many of you know a lot of the things we face today would just go away? A lot of things we face today would just go away. It would help our fire department, our police department, it would help our coaches and our educators and our principals and our superintendents. Let me tell you, a lot of things would be taken care of in the home that's having to take care of in civility outside of the home when God said no this is my order this is the man I'm putting there as the foundation of the family built on me out of God created man out of the man came the woman out of the woman comes the children how many of you know God has an order and you may not like it take it up with him it's his book not my book somebody say amen, amen. here's the second observation father is more than a title father's more than the title it's a position and a function You know, we have a lot of sperm donors. We don't have a lot of fathers. Some of you just woke up when I said that, but uh, we don't call God Father because that's his name. We call him that because that's what he's done and that's what he's doing, that's his function. He is our heavenly father. So go back to the original definition of father here. Originator, founder, progenitor, source, producer, protector. God is our father and he's our father because he began began all this. He's the creator. He laid the foundations of the world, the originator of all life. He's the progenitor. He's the one that went before the genes, if you will, and passed on the genes. He's the producer, the builder, the manufacturer. He took the raw ingredients. He made our world. He made you. He made me. He's the source. He's the sustainer. He supplies everything we need. You say, well, wait a minute, I go to work, I sweat, I have some sweat equity in this, I work hard, I train hard, I do everything, I understand that, and you have to do that. That's our world. But I want you to know, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. He didn't say God. Notice the term here. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Getting back. I am the original provider. I'm the original source here. I'm the original one who gives you your needs. I'm your protector. And he's also the one who disciplines us and corrects us. Now, if I ask you this question, how many of you have ever been disciplined by God? And some hands are going to go up. Because if you're his kid, if you're his child, he's going to discipline you. And Part of fatherhood is correction and discipline. And if you say, well, God's never corrected me, let me read you a verse here that you don't want to hear because this is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 6. The writer says, Have you completely forgotten his word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addressing the son? It says, My son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones He loves and He chastens everyone He accepts as His Son. So, if God loves you, He will what? Discipline you. My dad loved me a lot <laughs> because He disciplined me. My mother used to fly swatter on me and Steve, and we would always cry like it hurt even if it didn't. Because if you didn't get enough reaction, she'd say, wait till your daddy gets home. Dad didn't use the fly swatter. He used whatever was close. And a lot of times it was his belt. That's what I used on the boys. I'd say, lean over this bed and look at this picture. They hated that picture. Sometimes wisdom comes from the bottom up. We don't just need some donors, we need some fathers. We need people who are really looking to a biblical example of fatherhood. Are they providing the foundation, love, acceptance? Are they protecting, giving leadership? Are they disciplining? Are they giving the things that that child, that family needs to be? Really, a father isn't a father unless he functions as a father because there are many people here as far as biological you may have another father but there's somebody else in your life that's actually your father because they're the provider the source the protector the lover the affectionate one that's leading and guiding you and giving you what you need here and and really a father isn't a father unless he functions as a father men want the title but they don't want the function in the position it's more than a title. It's the function of the position. And listen, dads, God has given us the example. And many of the issues that you know that you see on the news every day is a result of fathers not being fathers and men not being men and a home that has the absence of that influence, gains, drugs, violence, poverty, crime. This is what we know. This is not some... Abject speculation. We know I mean the government has statistics on this when a father's in the home doing what a father should do All of these things go down and the good things go up. There's better social interaction They're more likely the children will be emotionally secure. They have better social skills connections better educational outcomes and academic achievements better verbal skills. They have less depression have better emotional health, most likely will not live in poverty, will not be involved with drugs or alcohol in a greater degree if that father is in the house being the father that he should be. The third thing we observe about the original father and what fathers should be is fathers give things that are very important. It's what fathers give in your life and my life that are very important. Do you realize, Daz, that you have something to give? The first man that was created, this is what we know that God gave him. His image and his likeness. Say that with me. His image and his likeness. And I'll say it again. His image and his likeness. Adam was created in the image of God. This is found in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness so you have the image of God and the likeness of God on your life Adam received the image and likeness of God. In Luke chapter 3, when we're giving the genealogy of Jesus, it goes all the way back to Adam. Listen to these words. And Seth was the son of Adam, and Adam the son of God. Do you know that Adam was called the son of God? And he had the likeness and the image of God? And Jesus is called the son of God because he has what? The likeness and the image of God. And this is what Jesus said to Philip. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He is the expressed image of the invisible God according to Scripture. So as dads, we're projecting our image on our children. We're projecting our image on our sons, and we're projecting our image on our daughters. That's very important because we live in a world today that's confused of who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you'll become something else. That's why we buy the styles of the rich and the famous. And the movie stars, and the athletes, and those who are culturally and socially up in front. So we don't have our own image, we take somebody else's image. We want to be like them, we want to be like him, we want to be like her. Listen, if you don't know who you are, then you don't know what you are. If you don't know you're a boy, you may want to be a girl. If you're a girl, you may want to be a boy. In New York City today, they're changing or trying to change, they're gonna vote on this to change birth certificates that you can check another box either boy, male, female, girl, or other. I never saw a birth for another, I just thought there were two. But if you lose your way, if you lose your image, if you lose your image, then you take on something that you're actually not. Now, I, I wanna end this here in a minute and give you some hope because I'm going to say some things that probably you're going to be offended at, but that's okay. Maybe you love me anyway. Jesus is the expressed image of the invisible God. Adam took on the image and likeness of God because that's what the Bible says. Now, when Adam was created, how many of you know Adam had no sin when he was created? He took the image and likeness of God. Jesus is the expressed image of the invisible God holy. He is righteous, without sin, never sinned, perfect, spotless, right? But he took on the image of the Father. Matthew chapter 4, verse 58. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So your heavenly Father is what? What? Perfect. According to scripture, your heavenly father is perfect. Now, so fathers, if we're giving image and likeness, so are we exuding goodness and godliness and love and affection and self-control and respect and integrity and a good work ethic and a balanced life and how to treat others and how to function in this world? Well, we're going to try, but how many of you know fathers aren't perfect? If you had a perfect father, then come up and touch me after the service. The only perfect father I know is in heaven, right? But we're trying to do that because we're going to express our image and impart our image and our likeness to our family and our children. And your image is exampled every day. And my image is exampled every day. And children get a sense of identity of who they are, where they're going from the foundations of their family. So we want to do that. And we want to express that in the right way because if we know who we are, we have a greater security about ourselves and where we're going. And if we don't, we take on that other identity. And if we don't know we're this, then we become that. Now, here's the next thing that fathers and our Heavenly Father imparted to us and gave us. Dominion and authority. How many of you realize that Adam received dominion and authority from the Father? Let me read this to you again. Let us make man in our own image and likeness and let them, everybody say them, have dominion. So as fathers, there is authority and dominion given to us to function in the role of fatherhood. The authority of leadership, the authority of discipline and provision, protection, authority over the enemy. Sometimes you have to stand guard at your house. You have to protect your house of things that are trying to come in. How many of you know some music coming into your house is not going to be good? Some shows coming into your house is not going to be good. Some people coming into your house is not going to be good. And so you're protecting the door. If you're the shepherd, where's the shepherd sleep? By the door. Why? To watch what comes in and what goes out of that sheepfold. So the foundation, according to Scripture, who did God create first? the man Adam, and Adam, Adam became came the woman, and now the woman comes to the children. And so Adam became kind of a foundational pivoting point of that family. So not only did Adam receive dominion and authority, he also received an inheritance. You say, well, what did he inherit? Well, listen to Scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 28. I'm going to tell you, Adam inherited the entire earth. Does anybody believe that? You say, well, what book are you reading, Pastor? I'm reading this one. Are you reading it? Two people shook their head. Uh, Verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you, say that with me, I have given you, said again, I have given you. He gave it to who? He gave it to Adam. I have given to you every herb bearing seed on the face of the earth, every tree, every fruit of the tree yielding seed. It shall be to you for food, to every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, everything that creeps on the earth, wherein there is life. Everything that has life, I have given to you every green herb for food, and it was so how did Adam get that? God gave it to him. It was his inheritance. And every person here who is a born-again believer has an inheritance from God. Now, listen, dads. This is what the Scripture says, Proverbs thirteen twenty two. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Jesus, as the Son of God, inherits everything. He gets everything. But here's the good news. Romans eight, verse fourteen, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And it goes on to say, verse fifteen through seventeen, but you've not received the Spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, what, Abba, Father. Jesus first used that term when he's praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now Paul picks it up in Romans chapter 8 and he begins to say, we're crying, Abba, Father. Not just Father, but you are our personal, affectionate, loving, graceful Father. So Abba, Father, we are the Spirit-bearing witness, the children of God. Now listen to verse 17. And if children... Then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So according to Scripture, you're an heir. What do heirs do? They inherit things. Where do they inherit things from? From their family, from the Father. Hereby we cry, Abba, Father, and we are now what? Joint heirs with Christ. Listen to the words of the prodigal son. Do you remember the story? This is Luke chapter 15, and I want to ask you a question. In the story of the prodigal son, what was the error or the sin of that father? None. There's nothing in Scripture that says the father did something wrong. Because the son said, Dad, give me what's due me now. I don't want to wait until you die. He went out, spent it in riotous living, wasted it, almost lost his life, comes home, and guess what the father does? Receives him back and puts a robe on his back, ring on his finger, shoes on his feet. Let's kill the fatted calf. Throws a party. My son that was gone now is home. Now I want to listen to the, the words of the older son in my ears because he's upset. Remember his little brother came home and he's upset? And he's saying this, Dad, how could you receive my brother back and throw him a party when he did all this to you and our family and almost killed himself? And the father responds completely different than an older son thought he would respond. But I want to pick it up in verse 31. My son, he's talking to the older one, he said, you're always with me and everything I have... Is yours? Did you catch it? He said, everything I have is yours. He didn't say it's yours when I die. What did he say? Everything I have is yours. Do you realize the Bible says it is your father's good will to give you what? The kingdom. You know what I find out the older I get? The more I don't do it for me any grandfathers here thinking that the older I get the more I don't do it for me and I've had people say well why do you work so hard why do you do all this and that well because a good man leaves an inheritance to his uh, children's children and also I want to make sure the next generation gets a good start don't you So if we have fathers in the spirit, if there's fathers in this church, if there's fathers in these families, what are we doing? We're not just doing it for us. If you're doing it for you, if if it's all about you, you are not portraying the original model of the father, right? So what's this father saying? Son, everything I have is yours. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What's he saying? You're going to inherit all of this. All of this is going to be yours. And how many of you realize some of that inheritance is not all about money, property, houses, or land? because most of it that we need to pass on as an inheritance is character, integrity, a good work ethic. Pastor, I don't have a million dollars to leave to my kids. Well, neither do I. I don't have a Porsche and a Mercedes and a Lamborghini to leave to my kids. Neither do I. I don't have a palace. I don't have a multi gazillion dollar business to leave my kids. Neither do I. But let me tell you what I can leave. I can leave mercy and grace and love and memories and character and integrity and a foundation of the Word of God to my kids. That's what you can leave. And we can all leave that. It's not all about money. Nothing wrong with the money. But I'm going to tell you here, this thing that we are doing here as fatherhood has to go back to the original mirror of the original father. Now, before you get so discouraged, and let me wrap this up, there is reality about this. Because I talked about this father in Luke chapter 15 and there's nothing in scripture that says that he messed it up or he did something wrong. And Adam bore the likeness of the image of God until he sinned. But when he sinned, everything changed. Good parents can beat themselves up because kids make wrong decisions. Adam and Eve had a perfect father in a perfect place, and they messed up. And there's nothing wrong with God because we read that our Father in heaven is what? Perfect. Can you believe that kids can mess up and they can make wrong decisions that you're not pleased with and I'm not pleased with? Aaron and Matt did. Let me tell you a couple of stories. Some of you have heard these stories before. You ever got a call from the school? How many parents ever had the school call you about your kid? Well, I'm in good company. So the, the school calls, and we have, you know, the superintendents and coaches and teachers and administrators, a lot of them go to church here. So I get a call from the school, and, and it doesn't say Mike, it says Pastor. That's always a little difficult. Pastor, I need to talk to you about Aaron, what's he done. Well, him and some of the kids are gambling on the playground. Okay, what are they doing? Well, they're having races, foot races out there, and they're betting their lunch money on foot races. So let me back up here for a minute. We, We have three cousins that were in the same grade, and all of them went to play uh, college football together. My son was one of them, Jody was one of them, and Jacob was one of them. Well, Jody and Aaron were big linemen, you know, 250 plus up to 300 and something. And so they played in the line, but Jacob was a running back, and he played running back in college, and he was fast, I mean really quick. And so they're in, you know, about probably sixth grade maybe. So they're getting everybody lining them up at the playground and they're having foot races and so they're betting on who's the fastest one in the school so they'd line them up and they would bet and then they would run and then Jody and Aaron and some of them were betting on Jacob and they were taking kids money I said okay I'll deal with it so I, I get Aaron and I said Aaron I said you guys can't do that that's gambling that's betting he said no it's not I said, yeah, it is. He said, no, it's not. I said, you can't be out there betting money on who's the fastest kid in the school. He said, Dad, it's not gambling. He said, Jacob is the fastest kid in the school. (laughs) He said, if they want to do their money, that's fine, we'll take it. I said, okay, I understand your logic, but you cannot do that. You know what's wrong with our kids? They're hanging around the deacons and the elders' kids too many, t- too much. That's what's wrong. <laughs> then we noticed Matt over here, my lawyer, he, he was in junior high and he's taking rows of quarters to school, to junior high. And his mother and I noticed that he's taking rows of quarters and said, Matt, what are you, what are you taking rows of quarters to school? Well, used to they had vending machines in the junior high. So kids that didn't have the change and the office wouldn't give them change... So, Matt figured a niche market. So, he would bring rows of quarters to junior high. And so, he would trade you three quarters for a dollar. So, he's making a quarter off every dollar. There's something in the Bible about money changers, I'm not for sure. Sure. And we said, Matt, you cannot do that. That's not right. Well, if they're willing to give me three quarters for a dollar, I'm willing to do it. P.T. Barnum, there's a sucker born every minute, I guess. Can you imagine your kids may do something wrong? They may drink. They may do drugs. they, They may make choices that you're not pleased with. There's a lot of guilt and shame that parents are taking on that sometimes they should not take on. Now, we want to do it right, we want to get it right, but I'm going to tell you when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it was not God's fault. Are you listening to me? I'm going to help somebody today. When Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it was not God's fault because this is what the Bible says. Chapter 5, Matthew 48, I want to say it again. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is, what? Perfect. How can a perfect father end up with kids that go astray? Because every child has their free will. When God created you and he created me, he put a free will in you, he put a free will in me, and he put a free will in our kids. And those kids can make their own decisions. And you know what? If they make it a wrong decision, you know what we're going to do? We're going to love them anyway. We're going to care for them anyway. We're going to be attached to them anyway. We may not agree with what they do, but we sure do love them, don't we? You know why? Because we should. Did God quit loving Adam and Eve because they sinned? Absolutely not. When God said, Adam, where are you? This was not a cop looking for a convict. This was a father looking for a son. Where are you, Adam. Well, I hid myself. Why did you hide myself? Hide yourself. Because I was ashamed. Why are you ashamed? Because I'm naked. Who told you we were naked? You see, Adam and Eve were clothed by the glory and the righteousness of God. But when they sinned, that was stripped off of them. And they saw their guilt, their shame, and they tried to cover it up. Listen, folks. God is a God who understands that children go astray. You know why I know that? Because I'm one of his kids. Guess what? So are you. Have you ever done anything that caused you to go astray from God's perfect will? And I'm going to say, yes, you have, because there are none righteous. No, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed the mark, but we had a father that still loved us and wanted us to get right back on track. So today... Let's just keep loving our family. Let's realize that our kids have a choice and you can do all the right things, but still they can make wrong choices. And so therefore, don't get bent out of shape to the fact that you beat yourself up and live in this shame because Adam and Eve lost their image. They lost paradise. They lost their livelihood except by sweat and work. And Eve had pain in childbirth. And none of that was God's fault. It's because they chose to go a different direction. Now, some of you here today, this is not a good day for you. Because you didn't have a good father. Or maybe you didn't know who your father was. Or maybe he abandoned you or abused you. Maybe it was physical, sexually, or it was emotionally. And there are not good memories about fatherhood. There's not memories about your dad that you would like to retain. And when that happens, here's the good news. If you don't have a good example and a good image of an earthly father, I want to tell you, you do have a heavenly father. You can turn your eyes to the hills. You can look up and say, I may not have seen this on this earth in a physical dad like I wanted to. But I'm going to guarantee you, you can look in this book and there is a heavenly father that we can pattern our life after. He is a good, good father. He is a perfect father. He is a righteous father. He is the one that we pattern our life after. And listen, guys, this is hard work. You're not always going to be popular in your house with some of your decisions matter of fact to discipline and protect your kids they're going to see it completely different does anybody remember when monday night football started back in the stone age i think i was still in high school and so one night i was going to go with some friends of mine we were going to one of their houses to watch monday night football And Dad had a rule that, you know, we had to be home at a certain time. But how many of you know Monday night football does not end at 10 o'clock? And if it's delayed or there's overtime, it goes later. Well, that night, uh, I I did not want to uh, jeopardize my coolness by saying i got to be home by 10. Y'all are so holy. (laughs) So I stayed till the entire game was over. Just the niceties at the end, drove home. It's about eleven something at night. We live seven miles out in the country. I passed my dad at eleven thirty at night, two miles from our house. He was not out for his eleven thirty drive. <laughs> so I stopped, he turns around. The rest is history. But <laughs> this is what dad would do when it was time to go to bed. He would make sure that everybody was in the house and it's time to go to bed. You know what I did when my kids were born? Before I'd go to bed, I'd make sure everybody was in the house. You know what God wants? He wants to make sure that you are in his house. Why? Why? He loves you. He's protecting you. He's providing for you. He's your source. He's your progenitor. Matter of fact, he's perfect. We're not, but he is. But you know what he said? But I'll give you my image for your imperfection. Wow. I'm going to give you my image for your imperfection. And I'm going to call you a son and a daughter of God you are a son and a daughter of God you're never alone there's somebody who loves you you're never alone bow your head with me today if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior I want to challenge you that if you feel a tug on your heart if you feel the Holy Spirit dealing with you, that you need to respond to him. You need to answer him. So today, if you don't know Jesus or you've wandered away and you're not really who you should be or where you should be, let me encourage you to get where you should be. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at Ray rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory and hope changes everything.